Hi, and welcome to Figure of Speech, a program from WRBH where every week you can meet local poets and writers from the New Orleans community and listen to them share their work. This episode, we welcome on two local poets, starting with Stacy Balkum. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Stacy Balkin, and I'm a poet based in New Orleans. Much of my work is inspired by myth and magic. My poetry chapbook, Jackalope Girl Learns to Speak, tells the coming-of-age tale of a young speaker who's half-girl and half-jackalope. Much of these poems center on adoption, using jackalope lore as a way to explore the complicated feelings I had as I learned more details about my own adoption at birth. I want to start with the title poem, Jackalope Girl Learns to Speak. My ears were big, but I had a tiny mouth. My first word was mistaken for a whimper. For weeks, I asked only for milk, and then I asked for clover. My surrogate mother laughed and handed me a binky. I knew then that the difference between us was more than my long legs, beady eyes, that it was somehow blood or birthright. I will not say I wasn't nurtured or loved, but rather that shoes always felt strange on my feet. I hated feeling cold and made small nests whenever I could. I drank coffee at a young age to impress them. It stunted my growth, kept my ears from stretching up, the whiskers from sprouting across my cheeks. Half-rabbit, adopted by humans in the Northeast, I didn't speak unless I had to. I chewed wood to grind down my front teeth. I never learned their accent so sentences always felt peculiar on my tongue. I got scared in open spaces. That was the language I understood. And scared, I ran. For me, as a writer, fabulism is a way to write the difficult. I'm most drawn to myth and magic when it's situated right in the familiar world, giving ordinary life a magical bend. Here's another Jackalope Girl poem about how much I hated my orthodontist and going to the dentist, and still do. (laughs) It's called Inoculation. Once, there was a little jackalope girl with a gap between her teeth where the dentist yanked an incisor. Rabbit teeth grow forever, two up, two down, and unless the girl chewed on wood or stones, each tooth would reach past her lips become horns, then curl into antlers like an antelope's head on a rabbit body, a myth come alive. Her parents wanted it stopped. They had the dentist inject muscle relaxers into her gums until her speech slurred and lips quivered, instinct of flight forgotten. She bared her teeth and screeched, but his pliers had already grabbed hold. Two. My parents never told me about my birth mama, My birth father, one rabbit, and one antelope. I know how to run. As a baby, they flew me away from big sky country, filed down my antlers for life in the suburbs, yanked my teeth. Evenings, my parents whisper that an inoculation could stop the growth, that my skull means warrior or killer, that strange voice you hear at night is mine, mimicking your song. Believe what you want. I was born to an electric storm in winter. I can't be caught. As a reader and writer, I'm also drawn to retellings, especially uh, fairy tales and Garden of Eden stories. 
That poem draws from actual jackalope facts. If you search online, you will learn how they're born and how they can be caught. I feel like giving the reader even just a sliver of familiar ground can allow a poem to really take off and do some interesting work. In the next poem, I tell the story of Jackalope Girl's birth mother, Antler Girl, through the story of Eve in the Garden of Eden. This is Antler Girl as Eve. The harvest came and went, leaving its baskets of small fruit for baking. I learned pies, tarts, crumbles. I turned up the stove and boiled jars of preserves. The serpent asked me to reach up to the forked tongues of bare apple branches and bring the last fruit to his slithered lips, then mine. He renamed me Animal, though at first I heard Antler Girl. Panicked, I hid near the river until our god found out, threw me and Adam down to this cold world without my oven mitts or blackberries or salt. The Bible didn't tell you about my antlers, how the nubs grew from my skull, or how hunters gathered near the clearing, desperate for a shot. How I shrank to the size of a rabbit, hid in a burrow, and swore that when I gave birth, my daughter would be electric, free from this old gospel. I don't know much, barely anything, about my own birth mother, so imagining her in realism always felt off-limits because I don't want to write a true lie. I feel like when you write something, you give it power, and imagining a truthful detail would do the actual story disservice in a way. But by layering the different stories, I gave myself permission to explore what she might be about, what she might be like. Lately, I've given myself permission to move beyond the real world even more, writing my own suburban fairy tales about two girls playing in the woods. One girl and her best friend, Apple Child, who's half girl, half apple, if you can imagine that. The story all begins with the history of the apple, which begins with an epigraph from a news headline that I read on The Guardian one day, which was cyanide in fruit seeds. How dangerous is an apple? And I love the idea of apple as danger, but in a scientific way. So history of the apple. Settlers brought Malus domestica from Europe, planted seeds and cutting, harvesting the bitter pearls first for cider and later for a taste of sweet. Bread to withstand spoilage, yet we still fear spreading rot. Tell an apple a day to Eve, each seed cyanitic, poisonous as their notions of how one should tend house, cover ripe skin, keep close to her family tree until a man is ready to pick her. With this cultivation, it's no surprise the seeds can burn. So this story grapples with some difficult territory, but there's a lot of love between the girls, too. Since I just went berry picking and ate pie, berries are on my mind. So this poem is with thanks to the Sundress Academy for the Arts in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I got to spend a week writing poems and picking blackberries last year. And it's called Apple Child, the Queen of Blackberries. Apple Child, the Queen of Blackberries, had no crown of thorns, just red hands, honeysuckle. She drinks the flowers whole, says she wants to be drunk, so I do too, 
even though I don't know what it means. Blackberry pucker, we paw like bear cubs. We flop on the unmown field. Don't run from bees, though their sting bites harder than anything else. I call her queen, and she deems me princess of pennies and salt. We glow copper in the sunset. I mimic her, mimic tipsy, and it's stronger than dandelion wine, dependable as heartbeat. This, we say, is love. So Apple Child and the speaker go on adventures as children. Some are true, real life true, and some are more fairy tale oriented. But their adventures change as they grow older. And here's one of the coming of age poems in that series called 2002. This is the year the blood orange yields more than a single fruit, the year no one mows the empty lawn behind the public pool. This is the year we learn what it's like to stop trying, the year we'll walk home from school and find a field knee-deep in clover, the year Apple Child will lie in it and disappear from sight, and I won't panic, the year we'll drown in the green dirt under our nails, a neighbor boy will find us curious and we won't yet be afraid. The year will remember winter, walking the salted street, sidewalks piled high from street plows. The year an older boy from school will turn the corner, see us trapped between the cold puddle and a drift. We'll hear him hit the gas and know for the first time there's nothing we can do. This is the year Apple Child will take a plan B and will hold hands, feeling odd at our lack of remorse. This is the year of vodka poured into cups of clean snow, year of thirst, of throats and tongues burning with what we want, what we want finally said, year we don't search for lightning bugs the first warm night in June, year of dark lipstick and yellow teeth. More snarl, less smile, less smile every time we're asked. This is the year we'll learn to bite, to chew, to swallow. I'll close with what I call my post-apocalyptic Little Red Riding Hood poem, which has an image of a tortilla in it. Last year we had a supermoon, and there was this great meme on the internet that said, if you can't see the supermoon in your area stick a tortilla on the window because that round piece of floured dough will look pretty much the same as a huge moon in the window. So with that image in mind, when I am red and the moon full, it was a tall tale. It was a wolf's tale, a tortilla stuck to the window, dishes piled high, the grimy sink. I locked the doors, triple checked. I heard howls, felt a hunger deep, Belly growl, fur raised at neck's nape, knuckles strained into fist. I held a knife, a bread knife. I held two needles, knitting needles. I made toast, a scarf. The wind blew and rattled the cold panes. The lights went out like a ghost story, or maybe I hadn't paid the light bill. But that beacon shone in my window, the moon Only a tortilla moon and the skillet still hot on the stove, so I stripped it from the glass, flour clumped under fingernails, pan flipped until both sides bubbled, until the yellow eyes at my window understood my worth was burning, was burnt already, and wanting for a tougher fight skulked away.
Thank you so much. I'm Stacy Balkin. Um, you can find more of my work online at www.stacybalkin.com. Thank you so much.